0: So, oh, this is the Order of the Mustard Seed podcast, and I'm your host, Jill Weber. So, I'm here in Peckham, yeah. London, with Ian Mobsby. Um, Ian is the elected prior of the Wellspring community, mm-hmm. and um, and you're sort of like the network weaver grand architect, <laughs> in my mind at least, of this emerging new monastic network in the UK and then also an author. So, um, I mean, the book that came to mind was, um, oh, shoot, it was the Ancient ancient Faith Future Mission, yeah. and then you also wrote God Unknown. Yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, Ian is somebody who was an early inspiration for me in the whole new monastic movement, so I'm really excited to mm-hmm. be sitting here with Ian and uh, am just really keen to hear what he has to say to us about... Um, the new monastic movement here in the UK. So, Ian, mm. first of all, talk to us about Peckham and the Wellspring community mm. and what you're doing here.
1: Okay, so Peckham uh, in South London is a really poor area. It's an area of one of the poorest parishes in the country. Uh, and uh, the parish here wasn't working very well, uh, the previous rector had left. Uh, and the diocese didn't know quite what to do so they were very keen to explore what would a fresh expression of church look like here um, and what would work Uh, and so I came from two. I was involved with a community called the Moot Community in the City of London Mm -hmm. and we did a little bit of a church plant there was like three of us came from that community plus me, uh, to this parish. And so what we've established now, it, like three years in, is that we have a house where there are four people living together here, uh, and those people give their time to sustain uh, various life, with their kind of prayer and action life. Uh, and we've got a whole kind of daily prayer thing going on in the church which is can be quite transformed by all this uh, involvement of a new monastic community and established a sunday evening service uh, the really exciting stuff at the moment with all the Brexit stuff that's kicking in around here is that uh, we just started a community cafe and a, pe- a pantry project which is about trying to uh, find you know provide food for people who are really on low budgets so I'm excited. the 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 next piece. I think we've kind of really focused on serving the poor, uh, and it's a community of about 20 25 now, depending on uh, who's who's around. Uh, <laughs> then, and then, uh, so the next big thing, which is really where my heart is, is about reaching out to the spiritual, not religious, which mm. I think is one of the key key DNAs of uh, of the kind of renewal of monasticism. Because so, so many people are trying to explore secular spirituality and it's about how do we live out Christian spirituality in the context of a world that desperately seeking significance and meaning. So we've just started that uh, and uh, I love all that. So that, that call for new monasticism to reach out to the poor, radical new forms of community and reaching out to the spiritual, not religious, is what we're trying to do here.
0: Tell me more about that, the opportunities that you see, you know, in that whole realm of folks who are seeking, mm. but who aren't interested in traditional mm. forms of Christianity.
1: So I've, from my, cause craziness, I started doing a PhD research project on this, because it really matters to me. Partly because my family are all there, my partner's there, that my, so it's like the big area, the gap between the church uh, and people who are spiritual, not religious, so... Uh, The problem with the churches is that, you know, that people have had really bad experiences of the church, that people don't trust it, to engage with existential questions. So what we've been playing with, I think which was really interesting in its really early days, is that people assume that Christianity is fundamentalism because of everything they see on the television. And so what we have been trying to open up is the more prayerful, the more contemplative. So the one thing that we've got going, there's this wonderful app called Meetup. I don't know if you know it, but it's like a it's a really good thing and so what we've done we've started this thing called Serum, which is uh, spirituality discussion groups and oh, okay. once a month we do one in the Peckham Pelican Bar which is a hipster real hipster place in the area so we've started doing that and then that and then literally you get people turning up with that who are miles away from the church and then you go there you're not particularly you know it's about trying to open up spirituality because uh, my understanding about the trinity is you create spaces and the holy spirit unsettles people to start exploring the christian faith yeah. and it might take time for people to start building up trusting relationships because people are so concerned about uh, you know the church is such a negative stereotype so you know it might take a while to build up the relationships but i'm so excited when people start trusting people to start asking really significant questions and so we've been doing it now i've been doing it in Pekin now for about a year and i just love it mm. the conversations the, the questions that people ask completely coming from them without us forcing it or driving it there's such a hunger and this deep restlessness and unhappiness at the moment but people do not know that the christianity has some of the answers in it they reject it as old news
0: yeah so, you see that as a real opportunity yes. for the new monastic movement I to step so. into.
1: Yes. So, tell me more about yes. that. Yes. Well, in a culture where people are searching for secular spirituality, which. Uh,
0: Can you define that term for us?
1: So, that's people who will uh, look out for practice, you know, communities of practice. So, they may go to the yoga. Uh, gym. they might go to the gym and have their spiritual mentor you know have or, or mindfulness
0: courses, or, a mindfulness courses or
1: even the kind of more direct action groups of people that go on marches every single one of those it seems to me that people are desperately looking for communities of practice so what does it mean for christians to recover a sense of community of practice um and one thing that in one of the groups that I did someone said something that really stayed with me. They said, The problem about Christians is they say that their communities of practice, they say they pray, but they don't. Mm-hmm. And why is it in Christianity bangs on about being communities of practice? And yet thirty eight I think it's something horrendous last year in the United Kingdom, thirty-eight percent of people who said they were Christians never pray.
0: Wow, oh, okay. Right?
1: and so what does it mean to get back to a depth of Christian spirituality? um you know people don't want words you know i think the problem about christianity we've been obsessed about words books readings control 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 and actually what we need to do is you know the as jesus said the orientation of the christian faith is around the heart so how do we open up christian spirituality of the heart which then you know the prayer then becomes encountering god Uh, and then how do we open up that type of prayer and then and then I really hope that, that it becomes a deep resource for people who are desperately searching. And new monasticism, I think, is focused on that focused call to prayerful action. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that needs to be significant prayer and significant action, you know, yeah. so we need to not get right or. that. No, exactly. <laughs> you know, praying people... To the Church of England does that really well, which of lots of prayer and not very much action, or a lot of action where people have very strong views about what they think needs to happen, yep. but it's not deeply based in God. Both of those are completely ineffective. Mm-hmm. It's that radical call that we join in with religious people throughout the centuries, monks, nuns, and friars, um, to that call to prayer for action. So important.
0: It is. Talk to me about... So the, the landscape from where you're standing with regards to the exploration of monastic spirituality or new mm. monasticism in the UK and beyond, what do you see?
1: Okay, good question. So I kind of see there's a kind of a continuum. Uh, there's like a, a continuum, I think, between... Uh, well, there's two things I think are going off around the whole world. Just a little bit of a backstop question. So one thing that really interests me in church history is there have been eight major epochs when the churches had to, a massive crisis when cultural changes happened. Mm-hmm. If you look at those church history, and I think Phyllis Tickles written a little bit yes, about this. she
0: wrote a great book on that.
1: She yeah. did. So that sense of some form of monasticism helped the church recontextualize from one cultural epoch into another. And I find it fascinating in this cultural crisis where we've gone from modernity to post-modernity, and I'd probably argue we're now in this culture called post-modernity secularism
0: mm-hmm.
1: isn't it interesting that all these new monastic or kind of new religious movements are all bubbling up all over the place all over the world
0: can uh, you just pause no. for one moment and define mm. post-secularism for us
1: so a post-secular culture is basically arguing uh, that uh, we now live in a culture where suddenly religion is not trusted but somehow is in the market square again mm-hmm. and where uh, and I think it's a lot to do with the fact we now live in a market society, a global market society, where people have lost what it means to be human. Everybody's defining themselves through materialism and consumerism.
0: And mechanism. And that, we treat ourselves like machines, don't yes. we? Yes. Yeah.
1: And so exactly. So now I think post-secularism is saying there was a period of time when we were, you know, we we're in a culture that was losing faith and it was losing um, that was a real rejection of spirituality and it was all about science and scientific rationalism. I think we're now in a culture where most people are individualistic questers for meaning yeah. and that everybody is looking for this gold pot at the end of the rainbow called <laughs> you know, you know, consumptive gratification, you know, happiness, yeah. we're obsessed with happiness. So I think people are desperately searching uh, in a new way. And I think post-secularism is a term to say that it's a, new, it's a market say We're no longer in a modernist culture. Of, and, and I think the church has just woken up to post-modernity but we're not in a postmodern culture anymore. It's moved on. <laughs> we're now in a. I think we're definitely in a post-secular culture now,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: and that. And then, so the things that are challenging about that is it is increasingly quite nationalistic. Uh, it doesn't trust international institutions. Uh, it's quite local, it's quite individual. It's actually quite selfish because it's all about me and my own spiritual path.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and I think a lot of the problems that we're seeing in the United Kingdom or even in the States, if they ever say it at the moment, uh, are because of this kind of post-secular culture.
0: Yeah.
1: But the one advantage there is for the church and the Christians is a renewed interest in spirituality.
0: Mm-hmm. So, talk to us about the opportunities you're seeing unfold mm. in the UK around that and new monasticism.
1: Well, a really good one is things like mind, body, and spirit festivals all over the country. There's uh, there's all sorts. Of, I think the the kind of those kind of new age movements have got really organised. Uh, there's all sorts of. I think there's so many people now who are just questing and desperately searching so there's opportunities i think for the church to engage with having a presence at these mind body and spirit festivals mm-hmm. you know uh, like arts festivals where christians are doing stuff on meditation because the assumption is it's you know the people who speak at these conferences are buddhists zen you know they're very rarely christians mm-hmm. so isn't it really, i think there's something about renewing the the kind of more mystical the more a meditative and more contemplative traditions of the church mm-hmm. in these places and when I've done that and I don't look too churchy uh, it's, people get really excited about it, so one of the groups I do in the City of London uh, they were so shocked to find that there was a contemplative Christian tradition that they didn't even know existed, Yeah. so you know, I think that's what I'm really really excited about, about how do we, you know, so then prayer then becomes a resource for mission
0: mm-hmm. not
1: just about personal piety yeah. You know, so it's how do we open up encounter with God? And that's what I love. And so I was running meditation groups. So one thing that was really successful with the Moot Community in the City of London was that we set up these silent meditation groups for stressed out city bankers. And I thought, <laughs> no one's going to turn up to that. So, that's yeah.
0: a great acronym, silent yeah. meditation groups for stressed out city, city bankers. bankers.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, and the, literally 30, 40 people would turn up. Right. And, so, so and it's literally sitting in a church, which I'd never walk into, yep. to practice something which is, we normally did like five-minute silence or something like that. And people would then self-rate how less stressed they were. Wow. And therefore experienced a form of Christian prayer as a way of relaxing. Yeah. And so suddenly it broke down all these barriers about Christianity and the church. And I thought, this is something really important here. You know, too many, too many Christians keep saying that well, well-being well is somehow dodgy and liberal and takes you away from God. Yeah. But actually, I think true well-being is found in God.
0: Well, it's shalom, isn't it?
1: Indeed. Yeah. Indeed.
0: Talk to me about the network in the UK that you see emerging and growing.
1: Uh, so I'm loving that because it's like kind of hotchpotch of all sorts of people who don't really quite <laughs> fit. So I uh, think there's only, a common. Only
0: misfits need apply. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like it's
1: like the whole group of people with a ministry of not quite fitting in, mm. which mm-hmm. I really like. So I think it's kind of what I love about it. It's not in any tradition in all expressions of the church Uh, I see a continuum between those who are more friar-like as in their calling is much more evangelistic and it's about small groups of people going to places where the church is weak, living in radical community and getting on with a really Uh, a big approach to renewing the gospel in a particular area and living the gospel in a particular area and there's some and I think that's what we're trying to do here
0: yeah yeah
1: or there's some that are much more monastic than than mendicant you know they're much more monk-like than Mm -hmm. friar-like places like the Northumbria community which are then profound places of community and prayer that have a huge impact in terms of encouraging people to come on pilgrimage, pilgrimage to them. Mm-hmm. So there's all these things bubbling up all over the place. And I was, it was so exciting, the conference we did in before Christmas where we gathered a load of new monastic leaders with the Archbishop of Canterbury uh, coming from different traditions. And that was a beautiful moment, people coming together. And I just think there's something really important. He said something that's really key. There has never been a time of a renewal of the church if there's not a renewal in prayer mm. and religious communities. yeah. So I think that's why this is all... Renewed. So that's what it looks like in the UK at the moment, a of all sorts of people with all sorts of interests coming from completely different perspectives. And that, that is God, if I've ever known anything of God, draws mm. together all sorts of weirdos in the name of Christ. <laughs> that's, that's how it is, <laughs> eh? Yeah,
0: yeah, this is, this is true. Talk to me just for a couple of minutes around... Mm. Um, How, uh, like, for example, with the Order of the Mustard Seed, Mm -hmm. we're a dispersed community, and we're not, like, we would have a number of members in a geographic area who Mm -hmm. would attend different churches and be embedded in local congregations. How would you, what advice would you have for us who are embedded in, in a congregational life but who are living an avowed life in the midst of that?
1: Do you have any, any wow, wisdom for good us? good question. <laughs> There's something about mission being God's, not ours.
0: Mm. You know,
1: I think most of my Christian life I feel guilty that I'm not doing enough, or somehow I'm some sort of fake Christian. Uh, but I think the key thing is to, to try and catch up with what God is already doing in those various contexts Mm -hmm. so the prayer then i think will open you up to what god is calling in those places so that you don't have to constantly feel like you're not doing enough Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean if it's about us trying to catch up with god so i would say that a rhythm of life is so important and then when you're on your own or you're you know you you you're kind of dispersed that's hard i think that's the hardest way to do this but Mm -hmm. that's That's how it is. Um, But I think if you have that focus on that Trinitarian approach to catch up with what God is already doing and that most of us need to just get out of the way of God and try to be obedient and surrender to that, then I think that opens up a profound way to be able to be anywhere.
0: Yeah, wonderful. What do you... Any advice on the dynamics? Some of the... the, the, What we hope to avoid is a sense of oh we're like a higher class christian because we've taken mm-hmm. vows and you just sort of regular normal christians mm-hmm. you know are lesser beings and that's just not true mm-hmm. at all and mm-hmm. so how do you have any help for us in terms of a- avoiding that or avoiding the appearance of that mm-hmm. or
1: something about that there are different paths of discipleship mm-hmm. all right so i think we're taking a much more seasonal vows approach or what some people call orthopraxis you know, living out the faith not yeah. just talking about the faith so i think the way where you are trying to live to a rhythm of life which is defined by seasonal vows that is one way
0: yeah
1: there are other ways
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: so that way then it, then it's not seen as being superior uh, and actually it helps you then to be a lot more humble and I think that's the key thing that often we don't talk about. Yeah. I think Thomas Merton talks about that quite a lot. The key is humility,
0: Yeah.
1: right? So if we're not living humbly with this framework, yeah,
0: yeah. then
1: then we ain't living it. Because humility is, the, I think he says something really wise, humility is the place where we encounter God.
0: Mm. If
1: we do not have humble hearts with what we seek to be and do whatever form of Christianity, we're not going to be led by God. We're going to be led by our ego. Yeah.
0: And people can sniff spiritual superiority a mile away. Indeed. Spiritual we don't spirits. need any
1: more gurus. We've yeah. got plenty of those. <laughs> we need people to live it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Good. Um, I think that's probably what I yeah. wanted to chat with you about. Okay. Oh, no, I want to talk about you're living in community yeah, yeah. here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, three, three things you've learned living in community. <sighs> wow. Wow. <laughs> uh, And why you love it, or why you do it, at least.
1: (laughs) I tell you, okay, I don't find it easy. Yeah. And I can give you three things, I think. Well, firstly, the conflict is really important Mm -hmm. because there's something about the rub, when people are to rub up against each other, that becomes the place of discipleship, becomes the place of spiritual maturity. And we have had... A lot of conflict, mm-hmm. and so so. Rather than thinking we're doing community badly, that is community. It's hard, you know. Yeah. And I think the problem when our atomized society—it's so important that we do that. So what else have I learned?
0: Well, it, can I just touch yeah. on that a little bit yeah. more? I think it's it's a perspective more of, of Ruth Haley Barton uses the phrase conflict transformation. Yeah, and understanding that that those are transformative moments, right? Yeah. When we discover yep. that we're not holy we're just merely socialized yep. yeah
1: yeah <laughs> totally so mm-hmm. so uh,
0: that's number one so
1: number one conflict is important as part of it and you're not doing it wrong
0: yeah
1: that number one number two uh there's something about community being a bit like a jazz band ah. uh, that that it allows you to improvise because there's a deep rhythm of people living it together that allows you to be able to be a lot more spontaneous. So I've learned that communities help me to be a much better Christian in terms of how to do that jazz thing, mm. in terms of loving service. Yeah. Third thing, uh, I'm a really bad prayer, and in terms of being incredibly not very disciplined, and therefore being forced mm. to have to pray with people is really helpful for me.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, so those three things I would say are top things, but it's never, everybody, everybody was talking, no one's really honest about community. It's <laughs> blooming hard, yeah, and yeah. it's taken me to the end of myself mm. often.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and it's not easy. I find it really hard. It's constantly hard, and you're not doing it bad if, if that's the case. Yeah. But I think there's something significant in terms of our Christian faith that we, that community is at the heart of this,
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Thank you, Ian. That's wonderful. Now you say you're bad at praying, and uh, uh, but I'm yes. wondering if you could pray for our listeners as we close out. Just, uh, I just want to thank you so much. I just so appreciate your time and the wisdom and the perspective. I think it's for you've been you've been involved in the this new monastic <laughs> stuff. How long?
1: I became a Christian through the Tese community, so oh, that's. Gosh. Yeah, a rather long time ago. A rather That's long like time. That's 30, like 35 years ago.
0: Okay, it? so we've got a lot to learn. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. That's oh, okay. So, all right, I'm gonna pray first.
1: Pray. So I'm taking this from the Divine Hours, which is a great thing by for Tickle was one of my teachers, one of my heroes, and she said this. This is a prayer. Let's pray. Almighty God, the fountain of all wisdom. You know our necessities before we ask. And you know our ignorance in asking. Have compassion on our weakness and mercifully give us those things which for our unworthiness we dare not hope for. Help us to reach beyond our blindness and help us to ask for the worthiness of your Son to be present and to transform our every day who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
0: Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of The Order of the Mustard Seed podcast. For more information about The Order, You can find us at orderofthemustardseed.com or on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. May God grant us grace as we follow his invitations to be true and to be kind and to go.